17 years ago, I was just a teenager in my parents' house in Surrey with an acoustic guitar trying to write my first song. And that first song was about the current situation with the airport as my parents' home was next to Gatwick. And I wanted to express my frustration and feelings about living in a small town with not a lot going on as I had a few more ambitions and wanted to move out. (laughs) And I had absolutely no idea how to put the song together, structure it or make it radio friendly to a professional standard that people would enjoy it. So what I did was signed up to take a year at the Brighton Institute of Modern Music where I would learn commercial songwriting. This was one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire career. Now fast forward 17 years and I still to this day am writing pop music on a daily basis and I can tell you that this was not how I imagined it would go. This podcast is for people who are lost, don't know who to listen to as we have so much information on the internet. We have social media distorting our views and opinions on what's right and what's wrong. And I wanted to create this podcast to help all those musicians, producers and songwriters who are at that stage just before the drop or chorus is going to hit. I want to get you best prepared for when that moment happens through educational experiences, interviews, sharing some deep philosophical conversations that talk about the 80% of a music career that isn't really covered. 20% of it is being good at your craft. It is very important, but there is a whole other world that we need to talk about that's going to help you get to that position of being a full-time songwriter or producer. My name is Zodi and I have been a songwriter and music producer for the best part of 17 years. I have been in a touring commercial pop band. We got to tour around Europe, got to play Wembley Stadium slash car park. I'll get onto that in a moment. And we were one of the bands that managed to grow during the peak of MySpace and the birth of social media and then managed to teach myself how to produce and compose for video games and films and television and then keep the commercial songwriting going and now professionally pitching to the biggest K and J pop groups in Asia as well as working with emerging and indie artists over in the States. In this podcast, I want to share all of my personal experiences in music, share behind the scenes of being a music producer and songwriter working in the industry. I want to smash a few cliches and myths of what you see in the media. I also want to be able to talk to other people as well about this. I'm a big advocate of talking about failure. If you have seen any of my YouTube videos, they will openly talk about how wrong I got it, how much I messed up, how hard it was and how much time it takes. Like no one really talks about how long this stuff takes. And you know, that is something that we need to talk about as well is you just can't just be a songwriter unless you're very lucky you can be but at the same time you need to be able to have the business chops as well understand content marketing business accounting running all these things that aren't necessarily as sexy as songwriting but are just as crucial so this podcast is here to help guide you give you insights make you think differently and best prepare you for when that moment should arrive
It all started from making that decision back at my parents' house in Surrey to take a dive and move down to Brighton to study commercial songwriting at the Brighton Institute of Modern Music. So this all happened between the years of 2005 and 2006. And if you remember back then, it was when the social media boom was starting and we had websites like MySpace. Now, MySpace actually was a huge learning experience for myself as this taught me the meaning of having to build brand marketing and getting yourself out there. Back then it was like one of those free platforms that the inverted commas kids were using, but it was awesome. And to this day, I still think it's one of the uh, best social media platforms to date. But we were lucky because we were one of those bands that, you know, we'd just come out of college. I was working full time at Starbucks in Western Road in Brighton, and we had very minimal income, but we had to find a way to build the band's name. Now, the band that I was in was called Mimi Sawyer, and it formed around June 2006 with a couple of old school friends who had come down to study in Brighton as well. And this was a cool time to be alive in all honesty. I really look back at these years really fondly. It did teach me some crucial skills that I'm using on a daily basis today. I was learning how to make content before I was even a producer. I could just play guitar and write a vocal melody. I didn't even know how to start producing, but I did know how to use Windows Media Player and create some fun, inverted commas, tour videos that got uploaded to this brand new website that everyone was talking about called YouTube. <laughs> and actually, that was my first experience of getting into the music industry for the first time. We did end up building a bit of a following and having some good quality recorded demos for the time. You'd upload into MySpace, uh, get some friend requests. You get all that sort of innocent interactions with people back when the internet was quite young. You know, you'd leave a comment on someone's wall saying, I'm so happy to be there. Hope we can be friends. <laughs> you know, that's sort of like innocence that the internet used to be back then. And uh, pe commenting on people's uh, photos saying PC for PC. Uh, so for anyone who's not a boomer or elder millennial, that stands for picture comment for picture comment. You would literally trade comments uh, just for people's vanity, I guess. <laughs> um, so those are the days, but we did really manage to get a bit of traction through MySpace. And um, we started to book tours through MySpace and started to tour around the UK and really get good as a band. So basically what happened was we ended up just kind of developing and building a demographic and following to the point where we hustled networked and kept meeting people out you know when you're in your early 20s you're invincible you can go out drinking for like 10 days in a row consecutively go to uni and still be okay but through all that networking we ended up meeting uh, a girl here in Brighton who mentioned that her cousin was dating someone in the music industry and we didn't know anything about it so we were like you know look we got this four track EP that we recorded uh, do you mind just sending it over and see what happens and she's like yeah yeah sure no problem and nothing happens for a few weeks and then I get this email in my inbox and it is a guy who is an artist development manager from Atlantic Records in New York. So we didn't even have a clue the scale of what sort of record label this guy was going to be at. Before we knew it, we were getting some really cool opportunities happening. We got to do some really awesome tours. We got to play a Nike event at Wembley Stadium's car park. Uh, so basically, if you remember the human race, we were part of the London one where Nike had done this event of like getting loads of people from all the major cities across the planet to take part in a running event. 
we were basically set up in a stage in a car park where they had set up the racetrack for thousands of people to run towards the stage. Uh, and then once they had done, you know, the race, they would end up going for like a huge gig inside Wembley Stadium where we had Pendulum and Moby were playing. So it was really cool. It was a, one of the best gigs I've ever played in my life. Absolutely incredible experience. Then we started to pick up, get momentum, do some cool tours with some American bands around the UK. Back then, we had a huge band called Cobra Starship who did the Snakes on a Plane title track. So we got to tour with those guys and you know supporting acts like Cash Cash, who are still going now, a big DJ outfit who are doing really well. So it was really cool to see all those guys and just experience what it was like to be at a professional touring level with these American bands you know because I'm sure if you're UK and you're listening to experience a professional band not only a professional band but a band that have come from you know across the pond it was really cool to experience that one other cool thing as well is the singer of Cobra Starship Uh, he used to be in one of the punk rock bands that I listened to growing up when I was much younger you know in the 14-15 he used to be a singer of a band called Midtown so if anyone kind of remembers back then uh, his name's Gabe really cool to meet him as well so we got kind of exposed to that sort of stuff fairly early on in our career but it did come at a cost we were definitely not ready because we'd spent a lot of the time winging it and trying to get stuff working and sounding great and we were just learning as we went and this was kind of my first taste of failure and I think it was a very grounding experience for me because what happened is certain members didn't get on, you know, internal band politics and all this stuff happened so fast that we didn't really manage to keep up. Before we knew it, we'd been dropped. The way that we were dropped is it ended up with a phone call of me being effectively yelled at down the phone by this guy uh just calling me effing this effing that you're going to be effing nothing how dare you and i can understand why you know like we weren't ready we were probably not the most easiest to work with i can imagine looking back now we were very appreciative but i think that they expected a bit more from us I mean, I'm trying to wrap my brain at all the reasons it could have been, but either way, it didn't work, (laughs) basically. Um, So then then we were dropped, and that was my real moment where it was like a kick in the teeth. It really took me back, and it was one of those conversations you remember for the rest of your life. So yeah, what happened? We failed, and it didn't feel very good, and we had to pick ourselves up and and kind of get a bit of a uh, roster sort of member switch up and change and a different team around us but we managed to do it and we managed to carry on and do some really cool stuff like get a lot of music videos on tv and you know go around europe touring with some dutch bands as well in holland which was amazing and you know pick ourselves up and start again this is where i actually started to not only get better at content creation developing basic marketing skills online and social media but this is the initial reason why i started to learn music production and this was to create demos for that band so after that i kind of decided to part ways with the band in 2011 and moved to london with my now wife who was then a girlfriend and to see what london had to offer and this was where i actually started to dive more into studying composition for film media and video games i'd felt that i had left the band kind of with this sort of hunger to develop a new skill set I still wanted to write music but I wanted a way to get all of my ideas out from my brain onto my computer and I felt composition would be a good way of doing that 
Now, I still did commercial songwriting in the background, but I just felt like I was a little bit done, to be honest. Like, I just felt like, you know what? I just screw this man. Like, I kind of, maybe there's a bit of resentment towards it, maybe a bit of bitterness. Uh, I felt like I'd been chewed up and spit out a little bit, you know? Uh, and I'm sure many of you guys have experienced that before, but like, it's just kind of, I wanted to try something new and start again. I started off by doing a lot of indie horror movies with people I used to work with at Starbucks. Starbucks has been a really supportive job to get through because my mentality really, and this has been my mentality since my early 20s in the band, was I need to work the minimum to get by so I have the most time to develop my career and skill set. And I'm sure I'll talk about this in another podcast, how that started to shift and not work out so great for me in my later 20s. But ultimately, I just kept going. I kept developing skills. There were some great supportive communities on Facebook. And this is before Discord, but we had Facebook and all these other things. And YouTube tutorials was a huge part of me developing uh, my skill set and paid courses in mixing and production. I really remember upping my mixing game when starting to spend money on the Pro Audios files, particularly Matthew Weiss, and very fortunate to just learn and discover him on YouTube and just learn from him because that was where I learned a lot of my core fundamental mixing and production skills, but always having songwriting in the background. It wasn't until my early 30s where I kind of got to this point where this isn't working anymore. (laughs) I used to be, I used to believe that like hard work would make you succeed just hard work if I work harder than the next person it's going to make me win and I'm going to be better and I'm going to do well and man it's not true I wish I'd known this sooner you got to work smart you can't just work hard and I wish I'd known that sooner rather than later but you know better late than never (laughs) so then it kind of got to this point where I needed to shift my thinking I needed to stop thinking right I need to develop some sort of smart thinking And I'll get into this in another podcast because I really want to talk about this, uh, especially because it's a bit of a issue I'm seeing with a lot of people who come to me for advice or I read them in forums or in my own Discord producer community. This sort of entrepreneur thing, I got sucked into that real bad and I fell into uh, a certain, uh, one of the first ones to come out on YouTube, let's say. Uh, So you can interpret that how you want and I'm sure some people listening may have experienced this, but... I got really sucked into the trying to get out of the nine to five because all I wanted was to be a full-time musician. That was the, that was the goal. That was the goal. That's all I wanted to do is be full-time musician and have a sustainable living. I didn't even want that much money. You know, I just wanted to get by doing what I loved. And it got to the point in my late twenties where I I kind of half gave up, you know, like, I just think this is not going to work. Like this is not going to happen. And I need to shift the way I think. So I discovered this entrepreneur on YouTube and they kind of sucked me into the whole health, wealth, love and happiness. I'm sure as I talk, it's going to become more apparent who this person is. Uh, And I basically kind of half sacked off being a music producer altogether and started to think about, well, maybe if I develop a business, then that will get me out of the nine to five. And then once I've got the business, I I can focus back on songwriting and production. But what they don't tell you is actually how much work is involved and how much of your life is going to be taken up by running this business and and whatnot. And it was great and it was terrible at the same time because there was a lot I had to learn very quickly. I finally managed to get out of the uh, nine to five, not well, at the age of 32. 
I started studying this entrepreneur probably about eight months, six months before that, consumed all the content, paid for a couple of courses. And before I knew it, I was out and I could I could sustain myself, but I didn't sustain myself for very long. So I landed a few sort of marketing content roles at some esports companies and gaming stuff, which is, you know, I do find gaming very interesting. And when I'm not producing, I spend a lot of my time playing video games. So it was a natural sort of segue into that world. But before I knew it, I had basically run myself dry of money but as a freelancer you don't have that security and cushion of a nine-to-five job so what had happened was I had to kind of think of a way really to how to get out of this so yeah basically I'd gone through all of that and it was tricky it was really hard and there's stuff that you do as a freelancer or full-time music producer or whatever freelancer that you do not experience as a nine-to-five worker and I was not prepared for it at all And that's all I wanted to do was get that dream of being a full-time freelancer and doing something I loved, which I accomplished. And very quickly, it started to feel very different to what I had in my mind over my entire 20s and early 30s. So it was a quick, a very steep learning curve. And I definitely had to struggle with a lot of mental health battling and issues on that end. And it was really kind of, who do you trust online? who's telling you the truth, who's embellishing the truth, who's not being transparent with you, who's trying to sell you something, all these sort of things that you you kind of get exposed to. And it was really, really hard. It was really, really tough. But yeah, um, I was managed to have a very supportive girlfriend and supportive family, which I'm eternally grateful for. I don't think I'd be where I am today without those people around me in my life. And I understand that people who are listening have very different situations. Uh, I understand that what I am presenting in this podcast is a very limited worldview of what's going on, you know, and I can only offer my own experience. So I understand it's very different for everyone who's listening. Okay, but this is just how it happened for me. And I think um, it's important to, to talk about that as well. One thing before another, I kind of just fell into that kind of entrepreneur trap and I felt that there was a bit of a lightning bolt moment where I'd realized that this is not working and I feel like I've been lied to and it was another kick in the teeth moment you know and I ended up having to go through a bit of therapy a bit of kind of like career uh, guidance as well as therapy and I remember falling into a very very deep sadness I just I, I, well, dead inside. I, that's that's all I can describe it as. Like I felt I'd been living a life for the last year or two, and my life was built on a foundation of sand. Is a good way to describe it. So everything kind of collapsed down, and I, I just couldn't really be a person anymore. I felt like a husk of a man. That's the thing with these a lot of this stuff is that in the short term it makes you feel great. And you get sold on this dream, you get sold on this idea and everything's going to be awesome when you get to that end goal and you're going to have happiness and money and wealth and all this great stuff. And short term, you know, it's great and it works amazing, uh, but long term, it's much more damaging. Short term, you get the win. Long term, you feel very kind of low and stuff and I always compare it to (laughs) that fire Festival documentary that went out on Netflix a few years ago. I just compare it to that. Very nice on the front end, amazing marketing, amazing looking stuff. But when it actually came down to the core back end, the operations of the whole thing and how it worked, it was there was nothing there. It was empty. 
so that's kind of what I went through in my own kind of journey with um, entrepreneurship and freelancing and, and music and running a business and content. So what do you do? You kind of, you seek the help you can. I discovered through a PewDiePie video, funnily enough, stoicism, which has been a massive foundation of support. Uh, and I'd love to be able to talk more about stoicism on this podcast. You can definitely check out a few YouTube videos as well about me talking about stoicism as I was going through those moments. So definitely check those out if you want more info now. But yeah, I, th- I kind of got through it. And then I basically ended up building the YouTube channel after that and building the brand, building my name, learning marketing, learning content, learning business. And I was lucky enough to fall on to some great mentors in music, not only music production through the brand and developing my skills and getting better as a music producer, but also business. And I'd love to be able to talk about the person and bring them onto this podcast who managed to really turn it around for me in that way. But generally just having a great supportive team of mentors who are songwriters based in Korea, uh, as well as, you know, business mentors who are based in the US and, and family and, and support. And also, you know, I got into the K-pop music production In I've been on and off with K-pop music production since oh, the first wave that hit about 2012 with Gangnam Style, as there was a huge influx of requests from publishers to uh, get Western writers in to pitch to these, you know, K-pop groups. But I failed consistently with that. I was not a good enough producer. No one tells you. You kind of got to read the air when you don't get an email response for a song that you've sunk 40 hours of a week into, and then you get nothing back. That is like a an entire punch in the stomach feeling so I will definitely be talking about that and then I managed to get back into it I was on and off for about a decade with it and I kept failing trying again failing trying again going away trying some video game stuff film stuff going away coming back to the k-pop thing failing going away and then it wasn't until 2018 where I was like you know what I really want to give this k-pop thing another go so I just wrote a song that I thought would sounded like it could work for a K-pop group. I did one of those crappy mobile phone, iPhone recordings off a screen with your monitors. <laughs> the, the audio quality was terrible. I just ended up uploading it to um, Facebook. And let's just say the contacts that I'd built up over the years, the right person saw it. And then a few months later, I'd signed my first publishing deal to pitch to the companies in Korea, Japan and China. Uh, so definitely would be, love to talk about that as well in more detail. And then here we are today. It wasn't really until I started building up the YouTube, the Discord community and the general Azodi brand that I was like, right, I would love to get into a podcast where I can actually start to talk a lot more about deeper philosophies and experiences that I'd experienced, not just me, but people that I think would be great for you guys to hear on this podcast, because it's not just about being a good songwriter. Don't get me wrong, very, very important, but there is a lot that you need to know in order to be whatever you want in music, whether it be having it as a full-time career or pitching to the major labels and whatnot. If you see my content, I'm very anti-shortcut hack mentality. It is all about the people who stick at it the longest and know how to adapt, know how to change when stuff isn't working out, but still stay in the game. Those people are the ones who generally do very well later on. And you know, you can luck out, you could be a person who wins very quickly, but the luck will run out. And it's a case of having persistence, you know, and grit and sticking at it. 
Awesome. So this was the pilot episode, if you will, about what I've been up to as a songwriter and producer. And I hope that you guys can stick around for the next episode. If you haven't already, definitely subscribe to this podcast and leave a review and rating as it really will help this podcast out. If you're a music producer who wants to learn more about K-pop music production or generally music production, definitely help the YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Zodi. Or you can join the K-pop producer Discord community as well. Thanks so much and I hope to catch you again soon.